Welcome back, everyone, to the Equally Well UK podcast. It's Andre here from Mental Health, and I'm here today with Sam Allen, Chief Executive of Sussex Partnership Trust. Thank you very much for joining me, Sam. I'm really good to get you on the podcast today. I thought I'd start off by asking you, you know, what you're doing locally in your trust to ensure that people living with mental illness get the physical health care needs met. Thanks, Andre. Um, yeah, Sussex Partnership, so we provide services across Sussex and also some services in Hampshire. And I suppose um, we're probably not doing anything um, that different from other NHS mental health trusts out there, which is um, we're doing our absolute utmost to ensure that um, all of the people um, who receive services from us um, with a severe and enduring mental illness um, have a regular physical health care um, check. And um, we've trained, in fact, a lot of our staff um, and given them the equipment in order to do those checks, which is probably easier said than done, really. That's been quite a sort of a cultural shift for us, which means that we've had to adapt our training programmes, um, our support and supervision for our staff that are undertaking those physical health care checks. But really trying to make sure that um, every contact um, is an opportunity really to have a conversation about not just somebody's mental health but about their physical health care as well um, particularly given the really stark facts that we know regarding um, life expectancy um, of people living with mental illness being vastly reduced um, from those who, who live without mental illness so um, probably just doing like I said what other trusts are doing we've had a lot of engagement with our GPs, um, again trying to promote um, the physical health care of people in contact with our service users. Um, and we've got some more enhanced local schemes where we've got um, our staff in GP surgeries, so supporting people to attend those GP surgeries. I think some of the challenges have been around sharing information, particularly around blood test results, you know, all of the things you take for granted. That are in the primary healthcare record, making sure that they've um, they're open and they've got access right across to all of the healthcare professionals involved in somebody's care is probably um, has been a real challenge for us. And again, we're still grappling with some of those challenges locally, but but, but made some really good progress and getting some good results, particularly through um, the national audit that we've been participating in. And we know from you know the, the original national audit that happened in 2010 um, and the second one in 2012 that physical health checks, physical health monitoring was you know really quite poor at that point. Only a third of people, I think, in the original health check with schizophrenia had their physical health monitored regularly. Um, how and we've seen some improvements on that front, to be fair, over the last few years. But I guess. I'm interested in kind of how you evaluate the quality of those physical health checks as well, because it's, it's one thing to say that people are having a physical health check, but then having one that actually makes, has an impact and picks up problems and is well conducted. You say you're doing staff training on that front. How are you making sure that they are well delivered, those checks? I think, as you say, it's not easy. And in some respects, whilst um, we've been, I think, as a mental health sector, been working hard at this for a few years now. I think when you've got systems in place that fundamentally aren't joined up, and when you look at somebody's mental health separate from their physical health care, 
um, actually identifying people who need a physical health check is, is, is the first part of it. So I think SMI registers in primary care were incredibly helpful for that. But it's, as you say, it's, it, it's like everything. You can identify a need, you can then do an assessment, but, but most fundamentally, it's what happens with that information. And I think at the heart of that, that has to be around the engagement um, and the co-production. So um, supporting people to um, make different lifestyle choices um, in some instances, or at the very basic, giving them access to you know, the healthcare that every other member of the population can have access to and engage with. So um, I think monitoring the kind of quality and the outcomes is challenging. And if, if anything, I think we're only really at the start of, of the opportunity to really improve people's health. And when you look at the, one of the things that troubles me greatly, and one of the reasons why I'm so pleased to find our organisation up to weekly well, is the system has been trying to do a lot of these things for some time now, yet we're not seeing the um, the gap in life expectancy closed. And in some instances, we're seeing it widen. So I think you've actually hit the nail on the head there, really, which is um, we can we can we can make changes to the system, but actually, how do we really demonstrate we're improving outcomes? How do we really demonstrate we're closing that gap? With life expectancy and I think we are really just scratching the surface on that and I suppose the thing that I find most exciting about EQ Well is it's not it's not simply about NHS organisations and professionals changing the way they do things and I think perhaps we focused a lot of our efforts to date on trying to change the way we do, we do things it's about a general a genuine co-production and a collaboration because you know, I think it's like it's like everything. You can have the best systems in place, you can put the training in place, but actually, if both the if if both people involved in the delivery and the receipt of care and people's own recovery aren't engaged in designing how that works, then we're unlikely to be successful. So, um, I, I think there's a lot more to do, Andre, and I think that's one of the things that I'm sort of particularly excited about, really, which is the the opportunities that equally well brings to that co-production. Yeah, it's a real kind of coordinated national effort, isn't it? I agree. That's a real strength. The fact that you know the, the key ethos here is this is everyone's business it's not just about mental health services it's primary care it's hospital care it's community care local authorities charities research bodies you know it's a really interesting mix of organizations and, and co-production at the core and the lived experience group that we think are running at the core of that um, you're the mental health lead in your stp so you must be quite sort of clued up about this kind of collaboration um, what, what are the kind of the barriers and levers to this kind of thing working do you think I mean, I think first and foremost, and some people might be surprised to hear this, but I do think the sustainability and transformation partnerships provide a great opportunity. So we've, we are a member of one of the largest ones in the country, which at times can be slightly unwieldy and challenging. And there are 24 NHS organisations involved in that partnership. Um, although we, we know equally well, in fact, the whole delivery of mental health care isn't just about statutory sector, you know, third sector, charities play a huge huge role in that as does education universities so 
what it's given us the opportunity to do and what we have done is we've developed a strategic um, plan we've got three priorities um, promotion and prevention delivering more integrated joined up care and more effective partnerships so again equally well absolutely fit um, really as part of our, our plans and our STP and we've co-produced these with our communities people who use services as well as um, not just the statutory organisations, the third sector have been involved as well. I, so I think I think that presents, uh, gives us a really big opportunity because again it gives us a platform to have these conversations. I think some of the barriers and systems are um, created by the system itself. So I think um, again where care is fragmented, um, where sometimes um, the responsibility for mental health care and then the whole physical health care is seen as the sole um, responsibility of the mental health sector. Um, and in fact, we know GPs themselves are under pressure. So actually um, trying to develop ways in which people's physical health care, whether you've got a mental illness or not, are treated in exactly the same way with specialist support when it's needed can prove really challenging. Um, so as a, as a mental health trust, um, where we're delivering care to thousands of people um, and people on caseloads of community mental health teams, there is not just a reluctance, there's a real concern from primary care about what it means then to be delivering the physical health care for um, people who use services. You know, that's a real barrier that I, I'm sure perhaps exists in some other parts of the country that we've got to work with primary care to find a way to overcome that you know there is there should be no reason why somebody with um, mental health needs isn't getting their physical health care in primary care alongside everybody else and that's where the specialist skills exist for that 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 can be a barrier i think also culturally sometimes the mental health um we we can create some of the barriers ourselves in the system whereby we talk about joined up care um, yet um, we still find it challenging to really describe and put into practice um, a package of care in the community that does bring together both the physical and the mental health. So um, I think it's a really good opportunity to get partners around the table, to get everybody signed up to um, the importance of this. And I think some of the real levers for that are demonstrating where there are not just really poor health outcomes, such as the gap in life expectancy, but um, inefficiencies um, whereby other parts of the system are being used because we haven't focused enough on prevention and promotion. And, and on our um, patch, we know that 20% of all attendances at A&E are primarily for people presenting um, for their mental health and again um, that's a that's a really good lever for getting the system to think differently about how it organizes care around individuals um, and and the population <laughs>